Welcome to Latino Vote 21, a pop-up podcast from Gotham Gazette. I'm Eli Valentin, a contributing Gotham Gazette columnist and political analyst. This podcast series accompanies my Gotham Gazette column series of the same name about the Latino vote and the 2021 New York City elections. The certification at the Board of Elections has ended. We are now certain of the Democratic primary winners across the city. A new council class will be arriving on January 1st alongside a new mayor. The results of the primary already has numerous implications for the future of Latino politics. A future episode will explore the implications of this in more depth. Latinos have added to the number of representatives in the council. 10 of the 29 incoming female council members, for instance, are Latinas, a record number. Some Latinos have won in districts previously held by a non-Latino. One can think of Tiffany Caban in Queens and Sean Abreu in Manhattan. We are honored to have Sean Abreu with us for this latest installment of Latino Vote 21. Born and raised in Washington Heights, Sean attended public schools there and in Manhattan Valley, where he currently resides. He is a graduate of Columbia University and Tulane University Law School. Sean works as a tenant's right attorney at the New York Legal Assistance Group, defending low-income New Yorkers from eviction and helping dozens of families remain in their homes. Sean was a member of Manhattan Community Board 9, a board director for Friends of Morningside Park, and a court-appointed special advocate for children in foster care. Sean is also a member of UAW Local 2325. It is such an honor to have with us Sean Abreu. Well, look, Eli, I'm so grateful um, for you having me on this show. Um, you know, our, our victory was a culmination uh, of, of a lot of hard work. It, it was a culmination of the broadest coalition um, possible uh, to, 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 to mount this victory. Um, yeah, we're very excited. You know, we won with 63% of the vote, 10,491 votes after ranked choice voting. Um, and it was difficult, but um, it took a lot of hard work. And it took really building a broad coalition, speaking to voters in every corner of District 7. And that's how I think we were able to win uh, decisively throughout the entire district. And, 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 and an interesting district it is. Uh, and before I get there, Sean, I, I, I just want to highlight the fact that um, you have some impressive credentials. You uh, received your bachelor's at Columbia University. You received your, your law degree from Tulane University Law School. Um, so you have an impressive resume. You, you interned for Ronaldo Acosta, um, the presiding judge of the appellate division. Um, and it, it, it's really uh, an, an impressive resume. I, I've, I've said this before, but I really, really am impressed with the newer crop of Latino elected officials, of which you will be one, um, we, we are seeing a shift uh, in terms of Latino political representation across the city. And you represent that. And, and a lot of this, the, the, this newer generation is much more, I'm not uh, discounting what came before, right? We are grateful for that. They paved the way uh, for all of us. Uh, but what, what we're seeing now is uh, folks that are more academically prepared um, and, and come into elected office 
I believe in many ways with such vast community experience. And I think this is a really good thing. Um, and in your case, Sean, the victory was impressive. And and it, it, we're going to get to the district soon, but you know, it, it takes the Upper West Side and it goes up to what the lower part of Washington Heights, right? Um, Correct. Get, uh, Hamilton to one sixty five. To one sixty six. To one sixty five. So it's it's a it's it's an interesting dynamic there. We're going to share more, but but you won pretty much each part of this district, um, and and again, it was an impressive showing. So, what do you think did it? What, what did you do there? Well, Eli, look, uh, I'm from District 7, right? I was born and raised in District 7. Um, I'm a proud son of immigrants from the Dominican Republic. I went from being evicted as a child to becoming a tenant lawyer, keeping families in their homes. Wow. I attended elementary school on 160th Street, uh, PS4, a block away from my campaign office. Wow. I attended uh, middle school in Mahan Valley on 109th in the PS165 building. On election night, that was the poll site uh, that I stayed at. It, it just all really came full circle. Uh, I went to Columbia University in Morningside Heights in the dead center of the district. My whole life has been in this district. Um, I worked near public library on 113th Street throughout high school. So these are just genuine connections and genuine relationships to District 7 that can't be undone overnight. And so, you know, I think we had an advantage in that We've lived here. Uh, we have relationships here. And so I just had to activate our people. Uh, you know, uh, we, we had a very strong grassroots campaign. Um, look, in the Upper West Side, they said that a son of Dominican immigrants couldn't win on the Upper West Side. But we did. Uh, and we knew we could. We could. Because we spoke to folks about the issues that mattered in the Upper West Side, whether it's uh, limiting overdevelopment in Morningside Heights or talking about rat infestation and the cleanliness issues that are really ravaging our neighborhoods. And public safety is something that really affects everyone in District 7. And these are issues that really spoke to folks. In Washington Heights, look, the fact is I was born and raised in Washington Heights. I went to schools there. Uh, My vecinos and my vecinas, right, they wanted to see me win. I was one of their own. I was their son. And it's really that personal connection to the district that led an electorate to believe in what we were fighting for. And so let's also give it up to labor, right? Um, after my family's eviction, my father landed a job as a janitor at the Port Authority, and my mom ended a job at Zabar's in the Upper West Side. Zabar's credentials in the Upper West Side, right? Uh, my father's background really was very helpful in landing a job. Um, not landing a job, um, in, in speaking to labor, right? And obtaining over 20 labor endorsements. And the fact that I'm also a proud member of UAW Region 9A um, is something that was very helpful. Labor made uh, a very big investment and they were very helpful as well. But also uh, let's, you know, give it up to our Congressman Adriano Espaillat. Mm-hmm. Um, he supported me um, for for many years. I've known him since I was in high school in 2010. Wow. Um, and he's been, I've been under his wing ever since, and I'm still flying under it. Uh, and, Cong- and also Mark Levine, the, the incumbent. Um, I think Mark Levine represents the best example uh, of what it's like to represent District 7. And I, I, I enjoyed his endorsement as well as Adriano Espaillat's. Uh, that, that being said, right, you know, we had on election night, 
sorry, two weeks before elections, uh, before there was a coalition mounted against us, we already had 7,500 people identified that were voting for us. Wow. Right. So it was really just pulling the voters out and just telling them, um, come out and vote and really just repeating to them uh, what we're running on. And we just left it all out there, Eli. And I think that what you saw on election night was a product of everything I just described. Mm, interesting. I, I, I'm going to put my political operative hat, which I, I really don't use anymore, but that that's my my background. Um, and just considering, again, the, the district, which is really interesting, right? And we, we said this before we began the, the episode that uh, it, we, it, it is demographically diverse. It is economically diverse. Uh, how, so, so here, here's my question. How, or I should say, was it difficult to uh, craft a message that could speak to Upper West Siders, but also speak to your Juan Jose's y Maria's in, right, Hamilton Heights and lower uh, Washington Heights? I mean, we, we understand the plights are different, right? Um, but, but it's still the same district. So, and I'm sure that created a, an interesting dynamic. Did you see that if there was, oh, I'm just thinking about your experience as a candidate and how your your campaign took shape and wondering if you saw if there was an underlying message that could speak to, again, your Upper West Siders, but also speak to those on the Northern end of the district. Yeah, look, uh, no matter your, Right, economic uh, background. We all want to live in a neighborhood that's affordable uh, mm. and safe. Um, you know, public safety was something that I consistently spoke about. You know, Washington Heights, and then I spoke about on the Upper West Side. Folks didn't want to defund the NYPD. Um, right, folks wanted uh, to feel safe, and folks wanted to feel that they had a government that was responsive to their needs. Um, sure, we, we need to move, you know, monies around from, you know, agencies to the other uh, to make sure that we're funding social services and education. But using the term defund, right, it, it really turned off a lot of a lot of voters. Mm. Um, and I was facing, you know, two socialist candidates. And so by just speaking to the issues, saying, yeah, we need police accountability, uh, but it shouldn't come at the expense of public safety. Voters wanted to hear someone that was speaking in those terms. But it's also something I just happen to believe in. Um, but. You know, these are issues that cut across the entirety of the district. You know, the whole district wants to see clean parks. They want a quality education for their kids. Right. And so these were bread and butter issues that were staples to our campaign, but also just reflective of what the electorate wanted to talk about. Yeah. Fascinating. You know, I, I mentioned in my last column when I looked at the Eric Adams victory, um, you know, he he won the, the biggest chunk of the Latino vote uh, across the city, especially in the Bronx, by the way, Sean. I don't know if, if you saw this, but um, there were high Latino election districts in, in, in the Bronx. So high, yeah, where, where again, the, the, the overwhelming majority were Latinos and he won almost 50%. Of, of those EDs, those election districts, which is really interesting. But, you know, I mentioned in that piece that uh, this public safety issue, you know, it, it is, it's more important to Latinos than what people think. And I think it's because Latinos, we, we bear the brunt of... We live with the, they live with the consequences. Yes. Especially. Yes. 
Gotcha. Um, and, you know, we, we don't want heavy handed policing. Uh, we need, you know, a lot, you know, we need a lot more investment mm. in after school program for our kids. Right. You know, there are a lot of uh, investments that we could make to really deter that path. Um, and so those are the things that we need to be, uh, you know, thinking about. Um, but yeah, um, Latinos, in many ways, they're, they're, they're conservative, uh, if often for worse. Um, but, you know, meeting them where they're at requires creativity. Yeah. <laughs> um, but look, I, my campaign was always genuine on, on our commitments. Um, and, and so it's, we're looking forward to the work ahead. Yeah. You know, I, I mentioned before that that you represent a new crop of of Latino political representatives. Um, I am seeing a shift happening um, in, in the city of New York. I've I've tried to describe that in my um, pieces for Gotham Gazette. Uh, the, the changes, the shifts that are happening are it's it's a lot. I mean. When, when we think about um, there's the generational shift that's occurring, right? And I'm, I'm seeing a lot of more younger Latino, Latina elected officials, which is a, a great thing. Uh, we, we're seeing a lot more uh, civic engagement, I think, on the part of many young Latinos. And, and we're seeing that crossover into the, the, the field of electoral politics. There, but there's also uh, a shift happening in terms of where the Latinos come from, right? So we know New York City, uh, it was mostly Puerto Rican for, for a while. That's no longer the case. And now Dominicanos are the largest. I mean, it's, it's there close, but still... Dominicans are the largest uh, Latino um, population in the city of New York. Puerto Ricans now are second. And then it goes from there, right? Uh, We have a big Ecuadorian community, Mexican, Colombian, and those are the the four or five groups. So, So we're seeing that shift in Queens, right? I think that is the hub of the shifts that are occurring. And, and we're seeing it in terms of political representation. So, so here's what I, I, I want to pose to you. I'm just wondering what, what you see in terms of the future of Latino politics in New York. Um, do you see more uh, of this diversity in terms of our countries of origin? Um, and, and how do you think that plays out when it comes to political representation? Is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? Share with us. I'm, I'm curious what your take is. Uh, Eli, I think it's a good thing. Um, I'll tell you that the, the future of Latino leadership um, in, in New York City will blossom to the extent that that leadership is also inclusive. Um, I, again, look, a Latino representing the Upper West Side and West Harlem in District 7 is historic. And there will be historic, uh, more historic victories in the future as long as we continue to be uh, inclusive. Um, and so, because the, the more inclusive you are, especially your ranked choice voting, <laughs> you got to have broad appeal. And the candidate with the broadest appeal will win. And the candidate with not only the broadest appeal, but 
that is also inclusive, uh, it will win. And so I think the future for Latino leadership really hinges on that. And, and, and so, but there's also another part to this and, it, and it's the side of intentionality too, uh, with, with building an infrastructure, mm-hmm. right? When, when Adriano ran against Wrangell in 2012 and 2014, you know, Wrangell didn't, he created, there was a, there was a power void. There was a void of leadership there when, when he left. Right. right. Whereas now Adriano is really thinking about the future and helping me get elected, helping Pierina get elected, Oswald get elected, and Carmen de la Rosa. Right. And, you know, it's that infrastructure that, you know, has, you know, it, there, there is a new day, but the truth is it's these opportunities are not only made possible because of the folks who came before us. And, and that infrastructure is brewing today. And I'm hoping that it continues into the future as long as we continue to be inclusive so that, uh, the, you know, my future kid or our future, um, you know, children, this neighborhood can see in themselves uh, uh, an, an aspiration uh, and, can be, and that possibility of what they could do becomes their reality. Yeah, that's good. You know, as you were responding to that, I'm, I'm thinking something else here. And, and, and again, I, I want to see what you have to say about this. But here's. OK, I'll say this. The growth of Latinos is it cannot be challenged, right? It's happening. Uh, I don't think that we can. I mean, we 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 spoke. We've been speaking about a sleeping giant when referring to Latinos for a long time. Well, we are here, right? Um, and in terms of even voter registration statewide, we are now the, the the biggest ethnic group in the state of New York in terms of voter voter registration. So we are here in terms of numbers, but there's one, one thing that we are lacking. And it's not just in New York, it's a national reality, unfortunately. And it is that we do not vote for the most part. Latinos, Latinas, uh, they don't turn out in, in numbers like other groups, right? And in fact, um, I, I always re- recommend a book by... Uh, uh, Bernard Fraga, uh, the the turnout gap, and and he speaks here about the uh, this reality that Latinos it, it, and it tends to be Latinos and Asians are among the are the two ethnic groups with the lowest voter participation nationally. I see it here in the city of New York. However, here's one interesting fact: the 72nd Assembly District, and and you will represent a portion of it which it overlaps with your, your council district. Uh, oh, it doesn't, not the 72nd? Only the 71st. Oh, I thought it got a little chunk of It's the just 72nd. a block away uh, from 165 oh. further north is the 72nd. Got, okay. The so, well, thanks for that clarification, Sean. I always thought that there was a little portion, but thank you for clarifying that. But the 72nd, which neighbors your, your the 71st up there, um, is the highest in terms of Latino uh, majority districts in the city of New York, the 72nd has the highest turnout citywide. So something positive is happening there. I, I really believe that uh, uh, Adriano Spayat's influence is great. Um, and there's clearly an organization um, that he's building and that is flourishing. I say this to every reporter that asks me this question. We have to look at that. It's a reality. Uh, now, but that's not the case everywhere else. 
um, you know, when I think about East Harlem, you know, Latinos there don't they don't vote in high numbers. Same thing in Lower East Side, and that's just Manhattan, right? Um, in the Bronx, forget it. The uh, turnout is, is dismal. It's it's it is unbelievable. And in Queens, where we also have a lot of diverse districts, but with Latino majorities, some of them, we see that Latinos uh, don't come out in strong numbers. Therefore, we have Latino majority districts in Queens that do not that does not have Latino political representation. Uh, so here's one thing I'll pose to you. What can we do as, 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 a, as a pueblo, right? Latinos, Latinas, to help our folk understand the importance of voting. Um, and because something's lacking, right? Um, so maybe perhaps we have to diagnose and we don't have too much time here. Maybe, you know, a quick di- diagnosis and a quick, quick prescription. What would Dr. Abreu say? <laughs> uh, uh, I don't think I've been called doctor before. <laughs> well, you're a uh, Juris doctor, so. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I am, but I never refer to myself as such. No, um, I know. I would say that, you know, for instance, Dominicanos USA, that's an organization that yes. is charged with bringing up voting numbers and registering vote, registering new voters. Um, and they engage folks and it's culturally, culturally relevant with how they engage folks so they can see the value of their vote. And so they can understand how government affects them and why voting is so important. Um, of course, we need to expand voter engagement efforts uh, throughout District 7. You know, Douglas Houses has, the I think, 10%. They're my district, by the way. Only 10% voter turnout. Yeah. A lot of them are registered, but they don't even come out to vote, yeah. right? So there's there's one thing to get them registered, and there's one thing after they're registered, actually getting them to the polls. And it's really just exciting, exciting voters. Um, this is what this means to you. Um, really breaking it down in a way that's digestible, right? If I go up to someone in in public housing, and I'm like, look, I'm running to be an ex-city council member. You see these repairs here? And you, you want to see these things that need to be fixed. I want to expand right to counsel so that when you go to court, you have a lawyer that represents you in HP housing court to make sure these repairs get addressed. And when you break it down like that, they're like, yeah, I'm going to go vote for him. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that there was a, actually a, a, a slight spike in, 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 in voter turnout in parts of our district, but a lot more needs to get done. And I, I am committed to working with WEACT, for instance, they have a voter engagement uh, group. Uh, as part of the organization. And I want to make sure that we're doing it more intentionally, not only when election season comes, but something that we do as a matter of habit. On top of that, we need to continue uh, supporting public financing of our elections, right? Because then it means that voters, folks will run uh, who actually represent the needs of the neighborhood. And voters like to see people who look like them, who have similar and shared experiences. And public financing makes that possible. And so that's an aspect of it. Also, I was learning Plato and Aristotle when I was in, in, in high school, mm. right? Wow. And so I think that a, a civic education, you know, making it at least available as an option for a lot of our students so they can understand the instrumentation of government, it's something that would actually, I find to be a, a compelling way to um, produce long-term community leaders who then also in turn activate their community to vote in big numbers. 
Yeah. You know, that civic education component, I'm glad you mentioned it. it it's missing from, I think, from so many uh, school curriculums. And and I'm wondering, you know, it just, it just got my, my wheels turning, but I'm wondering maybe if, if the council can can take something on it in terms in, in the city of New York. Um, and it's, it's important. There are some colleges that are partnering with, with high schools. I know in the Bronx, Monroe college is one that they, they started a civic education program and they're connecting with high schools in the Bronx, teaching uh, high school students about the, the importance of what uh, civic education being informed about how government works and how it impacts people. And then by consequence, how we can how, and how they can, as youngsters, uh, get involved in the process so that they can turn help turn things around. I think a lot of that is missing, and there, there's there's work to be done. You also mentioned, which is so important, culturally relevant uh, engagement. It is so pivotal, right? That that we have more folks like uh, Dominican USA, right? Uh, that that can not just register, as you said, but also uh, get them to come out. And, and I think at the national level, we do have groups doing that, but sometimes we miss the boat locally. And, and I think that's happening in New York. So Sean, I'm, I'm glad you're there because um, I'm, I'm sure that uh, you will inspire many, uh, in fact, many, many, many youngsters, right? That, that can uh, see the importance of, of being civically informed, but also civically engaged. I want to end with one last question, Sean. And, and that is when, when you think about uh, your district and its needs, um, and, and if you would consider a it, it's not done for legislators right it's always and really at the presidential level or the executive branch but when we think about our first hundred days um if you will what would that look like for you considering your district needs and and everything that's happening citywide well nothing is, is set in stone yet eli but i could tell you one of the things i definitely want to tackle in my first year um you know expanding right to counsel for tenants facing eviction. That's important to me. Uh, what's important to me is uh, more investments in the community of school model so that our students are uh, getting access to comprehensive services from mental health services, recreational activities, uh, among other things. It runs the gamut, right? Uh, I also want to make sure that we're focusing on cure violence programs. I'm really concerned about you know the spike in, in violent crimes. Um, uh, especially the rise in, 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 in gun violence. Um, obviously, there's an appetite with our next mayor uh, and the next council cohort to address that. I don't know what that looks like yet, um, but you know, there's going to be a lot of conversations that I'm going to be having with my colleagues and that I'm going to be having with the next mayor. And I'm hopeful that we'll be addressing, addressing uh, I think, the public crises, public safety crisis in, in a very long time, at least in my generation. Hmm. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think this is this is a pivotal time. So many things are happening, right? So many changes. And on top of that, we have uh, the the aftermath. Maybe aftermath is not the right term because we're still going through this pandemic. Right. And and I should have mentioned, Eli. Yeah. uh, As part of, you know, public safety is also addressing the mental health crisis. Oh, yes. And the substance use treatment. That's a high part. That's uh, definitely my top agenda for my first year. I'm, uh, listen, that is often untouched, 
And and I, I mean, I don't I can't think of many elected officials that are tackling this mental health crisis that is no longer looming. It's not a looming crisis. It's here. It's now. And the pandemic, I think, has exacerbated that. Right. Um, so I, I'm, I'm glad you have your eye on that. And speaking of the pandemic, the economic challenges that we we have not even gotten to the middle of that. Right. I, I think this is going to be um it, it, it may get worse before it gets better, right? Uh, but clearly there's a lot to tackle. And I know I, I can speak for many. I, I'm glad you're there. You uh, are one of the bright lights in, that um, in, in Latino politics. I know you will do a fantastic job. And, you know, I, I say this even before you and I started speaking about Reinhold Niebuhr. Uh, <laughs> I think I think, Eli, you're one of our, our bright lights, uh, Latino scholars. Uh, it's exciting to, to see you know, the work you're doing as well. Um, you're going to do a lot of a lot of good. And I'm looking forward to reading your work and, and your next book on Rhino Niebuhr. Thank you, Sean. Uh, you know, I, you're one of the few that can spit out that name and, and and know something about it. But and who, by the way, lived in your district and worked in your in your district for a very long time. I mean, this is back the late 20s to the 60s. But um, but he was there at Union Theological Seminary. Sean, you were to say something. Yeah. Yeah. Look, <laughs> you know, this will make you happy. Uh since you're the you're the you're the kneeboard nerd, one thing I remember <laughs> from college was his line: "The children of light must learn from the children of darkness, but remain free from their malice." Something that always stuck with me, and you know, I, I make a sense of the world by just thinking about that statement uh, quite wow. often. And learning to appeal to the better angels, uh, learn lear, learn learn about the politics, but make sure you're 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 playing the game in a way that's achieving good public policy and helping people. That's something that Niebuhr, you know, left with me when I was in college and to this day. Wow. That's so impressive. You know, you know, I, I'm going to have to quote that line, that line you just said right now as as we promote this, this podcast episode. <laughs> but but Sean, this is a perfect way to end, because at the end of the day, that's what public service is about. Right. It, it, it is about our people helping our people and just um empowering folks, especially those that that have been disempowered. Right. And, and in fact, if you can just quickly just share with us. Um, very quickly, what, because th- this got me going, what inspired you to get into public service? Because again, there, there are not many young folks that, that really see anything good in this. And it's probably because, um, to use the, the same Naborian uh, analogies, because the children of darkness have, uh, I guess, p- perhaps their light has shined a bit more than the children of light. Right. Uh, and, and I think that has um, in many ways. Right. We have done a disservice about how much good can actually be done through public service. So I'm curious, what inspired you to get into public service? You know, the psychological reason, um, which many folks don't want to talk about. I was held back in the fourth grade. Mm-hmm. Right. So when you repeat the fourth grade. And you're made fun of for having the biggest hand, mm. um, which, by the way, was very helpful to being the best at dodgeball. Um, <laughs> a lot of folks relied on me uh, for information and for and for and for leadership. And, you know, ever since then, I was always older than everyone else. People relied on me when I got through Columbia. Everybody, you know, wanted to figure out how I can use my knowledge to help people. 
I, I you know, my district has given me so much. Mm. And I want to use the investment of my community, the investments of my education to help our community get to a better place. And, you know, it, it, it's I feed off of, of leadership and, and, and being the person that folks go to when they when in times of need. Uh, but also, in many ways, I think it's 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 a calling from my community um, who uh, have given me, has given me so much. And it, it's just an honor to you know be able to give give back in turn. Wow. Well, I know District 7 is in good hands and and the city of New York as well. I, I always remind folks, we elect council members at the district level, but they make laws for all of us in the city of New York. And we are all in good hands. So we're, I'm glad you're there. We congratulate you again. It was an impressive victory and we know you're going to do a whole lot of good, Sean. So thank yeah. you, Eli. And I look forward to being on your podcast again soon. Uh, thank you, Gotham Gazette. Uh, for all the good work you're doing. Um, you know, Gotham Gazette is a place of where, where, where folks can talk about, you know, issues and talk about policy. And it's given me a platform and I'm so grateful for it. Well, thank you, Sean. Really, you are a bright light and I, I look forward to what's in store and and we, we have to have you back. So thank you, Sean, really for taking time from your busy schedule and just sharing insights and um, and showing all of us what you have to offer. And we know there's there's a lot more coming. So thank you, Sean. Thank you, Eli. Be in touch. Yes, absolutely.